0: Instead of unpacking a a verse or a paragraph as I often try to do, uh, I want to try to unpack the recurring themes in those related texts that we just heard read. Uh, Years ago on a Saturday afternoon in Mount Washington, Kentucky, we were in the gymnasium of what we called the Christian Life Center, our son Grant and I. Grant was 10. And uh, Grant was quite a quite a basketball player as a ten-year-old, and I was uh, I, I've never been a coach, and I was never even a good basketball player. But I was trying to help him. I was uh, I, he would shoot, and I'd feed the ball back to him. And so I said in my best coach's voice, uh, "You're going to shoot a hundred free throws." And um, and again, he was a pretty good he was a pretty good basketball player, and he he shot. Uh, 20, and his percentage was dismal. I don't remember how many hit, but not not many. And Grant asked, can I start over? Well, no, I said I wanted to build grit into him, you know, so I said you can't start over. So he shot a few more and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and he asked a second time, can I start over? No, I said in my my most sternest I'm not sure that's good English, is it? My most sternest of voices. And um, I made him keep shooting, and he he got up to 30, and he didn't hit many out of 30. And the third time, he asked, can I start over? Well, I I gave in the third time, and I said, okay, you can start over. So he took a deep breath and walked around. We kind of hung out for a little while, and then he stepped back up to the free throw line, and I don't know what had happened in that intermission, but something had uh, had kicked in, and he shot 30, and he made several, I don't remember exactly how many, but a whole lot more than he had before, and then he shot 30 more, and he kept getting better, and he shot 30, ended up shooting 100, and I don't remember, I can't say how many, but man, it was a whole lot better than when he took that break. There was nothing magical about that start over. There was nothing magical about stopping and taping, taking a deep breath and just kind of relaxing. There was nothing magical about, about it, but there was something something about a, a, a restart, a redo, a, a, a do-over, a, a break, a breath, a breather. There was something about that, that internal intermission that, that made a difference. There's nothing magical about the turning of a calendar. There's nothing magical about January 1, 2020. There's nothing nothing magical about the, the date, but there is something. There is something about a new year. West Davenport was in the 815 service and after that service or at the end of that service, he emailed me. I saw it on my phone, a, a chapter of a book. I read what I could quickly. And, and the writer was saying there really is something about uh, the, the beginning of a new year. It's uh, uh, social scientists call it a, a temporal uh, landmark. Like we have spatial landmarks, you know, you're driving somewhere and you don't have your GPS on, you know where you're going, but you, when you see that, that big shell station in the distance, even if not, there's nothing else around, you know, well, it's time, you know, it's about time for me to turn. And so we have these spatial landmarks. Well, the new year is, is social scientists say apparently that, that this is a temporal landmark. We cannot turn back uh, time or eradicate the consequences of our wrong choices, but we get new choices. We cannot undo that which was done poorly and we cannot do that which should have been done and was not, but we get new chances. We can't erase bad memories, but we can make new ones. For human courage and God's grace are a powerful combination. I want to say that again, not because it's profound, but because I think it's important on the eve of the eve of the eve of 2020. We can't turn back time. And we can't eradicate the consequences of our wrong choices. But we get new choices. We can't undo that which was done poorly or do that which should have been done and was not, but we get new chances. We can't erase our bad memories, but we have the opportunity to make new ones. For God's grace and human courage together are a powerful combination. In the text that our college students read, I believe are the following themes as we approach a new year. Number one, examine yourself. We read uh, about uh, the examined life in that, uh, about considering our ways. Socrates is the one who's credited with saying an unexamined life is not worth living. Four centuries later, God would inspire his writers in the New Testament to write more than once about the importance of looking at ourselves, of taking inventory. To take good inventory, some things are necessary. Number one is stillness, coming apart. Now, you might not have to be physically still. Lots of people take self-inventory while they're running or walking, but nobody takes self-inventory while busy about our routines. We, this is a good time to, to come apart and to be, to be still. So required of, uh, for a good self-examination is stillness. And the second is honesty. Honesty, to say... You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well here. Thank God. I, you know, this is not to feign humility, but to say, you know, this has been, I've made some progress here. But also the honesty to repent where that's necessary and to say, boy, I am, I am still a mess in this area of my life. You might need a good friend to help you, a friend who knows you well and who loves you enough to tell you the truth. A good counselor might be of help to deal with the emotions that arise from self-examination. But the first truth from these related texts that we heard read, number one is examine yourself. Number two is don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people. Whenever we compare ourselves to other people, it usually results either in a, a false pride or in beating ourselves up and neither one is good. If I compare myself to other people, I usually concentrate on what they have that I don't have and I feel badly about myself. Or I think about what I have and they don't have and I think pretty highly of myself and neither one is good. In John 21, I find it really interesting, the conversation that Peter has with Jesus, we usually focus on the first part of that conversation. You remember Jesus had died, he was resurrected. Peter had denied Jesus before his death. And so now they're on the shore of Galilee and they're, they're having this intimate conversation where Peter is being reinstated. It's a redemptive conversation. Jesus has, has gone to Peter. Peter had been weeping bitterly because of his denial of Jesus. And Jesus comes back to say, man, there's still a place for you in my mission. I haven't written you off. So they're having this conversation. Jesus asks, do you love me, remember three times? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And then, that's the part we usually concentrate on. But then John came walking by. Now, Jesus had an inner circle, you know, Peter, James, and John, and most would argue that if Jesus had a best friend, it was John. He was, if there's one that he loved the most, it might have been John. So Peter and Jesus are having this great conversation, and John walks by, and Peter says, well, what about him? Why would Peter, why would Peter worry about John? Was he comparing himself and wondering, maybe, am I as special? And Jesus was pretty candid. He said, what is that to you? Peter, you worry about Peter. Let John worry about John. It's not a good thing to compare ourselves to others. Number one, examine yourself. Uh, number two, don't, uh, don't compare yourself. And number three, just be yourself. You, you have gifts, you have a calling, you have a place in God's mission to the world, and, and just, be, just be you. I go to the, as you might imagine, I go to the parking deck of Huntsville Hospital a lot, and I've noticed something. And this is not a scientific experiment, but I've noticed it time and again. And, and there is something to this. There are two exits or two lanes through which you can exit out of Huntsville Hospital's parking deck, and uh, they have a either a green arrow above them or a, a red X. The red X says it's not open, but but they're almost always both open. So as I come around that curve and I'm headed down toward the exit, I notice that if there, is one or two, there are one or two cars in this line, then, then another car will go over to this line and to be a little, make it a little quicker. But if there are three or four cars in this line and no cars in that open lane, the next car will get right in line behind cars three or four there's something inside us that resists getting over there in the lane where, where nobody is. I think of Robert Frost, two, ro- two, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. I've saved a lot of time going over there to the lane where nobody is. I just smile rather piously when I I think, you know, I think you all are just wasting your time. This lane is open over here, but I get over there. I'm afraid that lots of us in, in life are afraid, you know, if I get over here, I might be I might be kind of on my own. I might be kind of by myself. There might not be many people like me if I get over here. When I think if we do that, we're missing out. I think the world is missing out on, on who you were created to be. You know, there's a, there's a saying now, you do you. I think that's a good saying. Just do you. Don't do somebody else. That doesn't mean that you get to write your own moral code or your own ethical rules. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that you have a place, a unique place in God's mission to the world. What are your peculiar passions? What are your unique gifts? What is your special calling? Just be, just be you. Examine yourself. Don't compare yourself and, and be yourself. Number three or number four, don't belittle yourself and don't be big yourself. That ain't a word, but I I like. If belittle is a word, then be big ought to be a word uh, too. So don't belittle yourself, and don't be big yourself. Don't belittle yourself. Numbers thirteen. They've come out of Egypt. They're headed to the promised land. Joshua sends twelve spies out, not to ask can we conquer Canaan, but how and when. Ten of them came back, and here's what they said in verse thirty-three of Numbers thirteen. We can't take that land. There are, that's that's verse 32. We can't take the land. There are giants in the land. Verse 33 says, we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and in their eyes. It doesn't matter what they looked like in the eyes of the giants. What mattered? The reason they didn't get to the promised land was because they looked like grasshoppers in their own eyes. They looked at themselves and they felt small and they felt powerless I know it sounds like a motivational speech, but you're never going to conquer a promised land and whip any giants if you feel like a grasshopper, if you feel small and powerless. Listen, you were woven together in your mother's womb. The DNA that makes you you was strung together not by circumstance or chance or happenstance but by the very creator of the universe you were made to be you we are not given a spirit of timidity paul wrote but of power the spirit of timidity comes from the evil one he would keep you down by making you feel like a grasshopper in your own eye don't in your own eyes don't belittle yourself but of course don't be big yourself. Don't puff yourself up. Don't, don't act like you're better than everybody else. You are special, but you ain't specialer than anybody else. We're all special. And so if you're on a high horse, jump off it. It's Leslie Flynn told a great story about a neighborhood club. Kids in the neighborhood formed a club, and they made a clubhouse, not much more than some cardboard but they needed rules. Every good club needs rules. So They had three rules the neighborhood club did. Number one, nobody act big. Number two, nobody act little. Number three, everybody act medium. See, so that's pretty good. Just act medium. Don't belittle yourself. And don't be big yourself. Just, just act medium. Examine yourself. Don't compare yourself to other people. Be yourself. Don't belittle yourself and don't be big yourself. And then ask yourself, am I fulfilling the purposes for which I was created? A few moments ago, you heard read 2 Corinthians 10, 13, which speaks of, and I'm quoting now, the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. God has assigned a sphere of service. There is a place in his mission to the world designed for you. What a sobering and yet encouraging thought. That there is a place in God's plan that he has carved out for me. It's not about me. It's about his mission to the world. But I have a place and you have a place in that. So the question is, are you fulfilling your sphere of service? And then Jesus, near the end of his life on earth, said, to the Father. I have glorified you on earth by doing the business you gave me to do. Are you doing the business for which you were created? It's a pretty sobering thought. Am I fulfilling the purposes for which I was created? Finally, remember that in the end, you don't judge yourself. When all is said and done, it's not what you think about how you lived. It's not what you think about how you did. It's... It's your creator, and one day we will stand before him, each of us will, and we will be judged by ethical and moral standards to be sure, but more than that, we will be judged by whether or not we fulfilled the role that was given to us, the role for which we were created, the sphere of service for which we were cut out. So here we sit on the eve of uh, the eve of the eve of 2020. There's nothing magical about a calendar. There's nothing magical about January 1. But there is something about a restart, a redo, a do-over, a break, a breath, a breather, an internal intermission. We can't turn back time or eradicate The consequences of wrong decisions, but we get to make new decisions. We can't undo that which was done poorly. We can't do that which should have been done but was not. But we get new chances. We can't erase bad memories, but we get an opportunity to make new ones. For God's courage and, or God's grace and human courage together are a powerful combination. A few weeks ago, I told the story of Jim Marshall who was one of the purple people leaders, played for the Minnesota Vikings back in the 60s and 70s. And he, uh, in, a, in a big game, I think they were playing the Washington Redskins. I think it was Billy Kilmer who fumbled the ball and, and Jim Marshall picked it up, but he'd gotten turned around on the play and he ran the wrong direction and scored a safety for, his, for the other team, scored two points for the other team. After that, uh, after that service, somebody, I think it was John Kirk, came up and said, I thought you were going to talk about Roy Regals. Well, I am now. Roy is the most uh, famous for have, or infamous for having returned to fumble in the wrong direction. It was the 1929 Rose Bowl. Georgia Tech was playing the University of California. And Roy Regals was an All-American Well, in the first half, Georgia Tech fumbled and Roy Regals picked it up. But just like Jim Marshall did, he'd gotten turned around on the play. And so when he picked up the fumble, he started running in the wrong direction. He didn't score a safety for the other team. He was tackled by somebody on his team, which probably compounded the embarrassment that somebody caught him and tackled him. Well, that was in the first half. So as as football teams do at halftime, they went to the locker room. And um, Roy Regals, the All American, sat there on a bench with a towel over his head, and the all-American wept. It's time to go back on the field for the second half, and Roy Regals said, Coach, I can't do it. I've disgraced you at the team, you and the team and I can't face that crowd again. Coach Nibs Price answered, Roy, get up and go back. The game is only half over. The grace of a coach and the courage of a player together are a powerful combination. And I wonder if maybe if you listen real careful at the beginning of this new year, if you, might, if you might hear the creator of the universe whisper, get up and go back. The game is only half over. We cannot turn back time or eradicate the consequences of our wrong choices, but we get new choices. We cannot undo that which was done poorly or do that which should have been done and was not, but we get new chances. We cannot erase bad memories, but we get the opportunity to make new ones because the grace of the creator of the universe and the courage of imperfect humans is a powerful combination.